bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer there. my it's question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits but a homicide and kills people up... If you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. Fresh, candid, and straight to the point. This is the best radio show in the state of Wisconsin. Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth App. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. Welcome into the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, in for Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. It is great to be back, you all. Um, have to say I, I missed, you know, miss my Milwaukee family, miss you all. Um, you all you all have, you got a lot of stuff going on, man. You got You guys got a lot of stuff going on here. And before we get into a shout out, you all know how much I love my wife and forget y'all if that's too much for you all. Cause I, I get your little player hating texts and messages about how I love my wife, but God bless me with a beautiful black queen and forget y'all. I love my wife. So shout out to Latasha Hodge and the Hodge family who we're here having a family reunion. And before we get into a lot of the things that I want to talk about, which is What's going on with diversity, equity, and inclusion? Are we under an attack? How is the city of Milwaukee ran? How is the ranking of that? And the state of Wisconsin coming in 49th as it relates to equity, diversity, and inclusion. And you all know as a former state representative, we got to talk about some politics. Because, you know, when, when, I get, when I get here, family, and I get a chance to talk to you all, I'm I'm reminded of the, you know, Arsenio Hall back in the day when he had his show. He used, I think he used to do these things or this segment called things that just make you go, hmm. And a lot of times some of this stuff just makes me go, huh, that's interesting. Um, But first off, you know, Tasha and I are on our way here. And, and one of the things that I want to talk about and just put it all to you all. Are we losing when it comes to black families? Um, how we're moving, how we're passing the torch, if you will, how generations are not as connected as they used to be. Do you even know your family? And I was listening to my wife talk to one of her cousins as we were on our way here. And it just dawned on me that, 
You know, my mom is from I want the south side of Chicago. I believe mom is from the south side of Chicago. My father is from Bryant, Tennessee. And they all got to Wisconsin and, you know, hooked up, had a bunch of entanglements. And lo and behold, here you go. Right. And I remember growing up, our family, particularly my mother's side, we used to have a lot of family reunions. And I'm thinking and what sparked this was I was on Facebook and God forbid you all, I try you all try not to spend so much time on social media because quite honestly, the dumbing down of America is is running rampant when it comes to social media. Right. Uh, and the reason for that is nobody is checking facts. Nobody's it's just entertainment at this point almost. Right. So I was on there being entertained. And one of my cousins said, you know, he he, he made a post about his daughter and how he's happy. And I just it just dawned on me that I didn't even know he had a daughter. The, some of my family members could come up and slap me in the face and I would not know they were related to me, which got me to thinking as I was listening to my wife and her cousins as they talk about the family and that you hear stories from our elders who just depart a lot of wisdom. Are we losing that? Are we losing that cohesive unit where, you know, growing up, I remember sitting in rooms quiet. I remember sitting at the foot of my elders feet and listening to all the stories that, somehow shaped who I am today. It shaped me as a black man. It shaped me as a, 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 a potential husband of what to do, what not to do. And just, are we losing that as a, as a community as black folks, are we losing it? And I say that to say, you know, when you look at a lot of the stuff and we're going to get into some of these topics, when you look at a lot of things that we talk about, particularly on social media. I don't know if it's you all, Rhea, I don't know if you've seen it, but this whole black men against black women thing and black every five minutes on social media, it's some guru or somebody talking about all black men, all black women. And I don't know if that's doing us any good because we seem to be the only culture doing that. When we talk about that, I don't hear white folks talking about, I don't hear a bunch of white men talking about white women do this. Now, maybe they do, but I don't see it. Maybe Asian people do it. I don't see it. Maybe Latino people do it. I don't see it. But you go to any social media outlet and it won't be too long before you see a post or something or somebody who made some stupid decisions blaming every sister or some sister who dated a bunch of losers blaming every knucklehead every black man. Now we seem to be the only people that's, that's consistently dogging one another out. And the reality is that we need each other because at the end of the day, we are all we got. I think Ruben Harpo used to say, you know, we are the ones that we've been waiting for. Are we losing these things in our community? And it was brought to, it was brought up to me because I was looking at social media. I'm looking at all my family I'm looking at the younger generations, the ones that's coming up underneath me, and I have no idea who all these people are. And that's sad because when it comes down to our history as people, what happens when you lose that history? How do you know where you're going if you don't know where you've been or where you come from? 
Are we losing that? Are we losing this how to be black excellence through the stories, through the wisdom, through the, you know, potential trauma? Are we losing out on a community or are, are we losing out as a community because we don't have that stuff as much as we used to? I should say. One of the reasons, again, why I wanted to touch on that. And then before we get to our first topic, I was in um, I was in Walgreens. Tasha and I were in Walgreens yesterday and um, it was I was telling Rhea and uh, Kyle here. So there were like three young kids. They had to be maybe six, seven young and it was two two young women, two young girls, and one young boy. And the young boy was on a bike in Walgreens. And you all, he he was riding tough. Like he was hitting stuff, <laughs> knocking things down as they grabbed energy drinks, which was weird. But um, Tasha and I are looking, and we're like, well, they're they're so young. Who's who's watching these? Who's where? Where are the parents? Where are these? Where are the where are the folks that's supposed to be watching these kids? And so we were getting pictures and the, and the little white guy who apparently was the, I don't know what they call him, field lead or store manager. Tasha, I think Tasha asked that you going to say something. And he was like, no. And so we all started laughing because we knew why he was not going to say something. And before those folks came in who were, I guess, in charge of this, the young kids. And, and again, I'm not trying to be critical or rude, but they look like the folks who had he said something, it would have it would have jumped off. It would have been popping. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, yo, y'all, you know, kids will be kids, but shouldn't somebody be telling this young young boy, hey, it's probably not a good idea to be riding your bike full steam ahead through Walgreens aisles. And the young la- the lady comes in, two of them, and older, and this is what she says. This is what really turned me off, right? She says, your mother is looking for you outside. And then she continues to curse at the five and six-year-old kids. And I'm thinking to myself, at what point did we get to that was okay publicly? I mean, don't get me wrong. We all grew up. But at, at what point did we get to where that was okay? Cursing our kids at five and six was okay publicly. Again, if you do that stuff in your home, I get it. But publicly? What happened to Cooth and Decorum? And so did nobody teach these folks that, hey, time and place. I was always taught, hell, some stuff you don't do in front of white folks. You just you just don't. Do we lose that? Are we losing that? Because it seemed to me that now everything is nothing is off limits now. So as we talk about just are we losing I came across an article on my way here and you all, there were a number of articles that we could talk about. And I, I hope we do touch on the Juneteenth shoot at some point. Cause I, I, I fail to understand why folks don't take a day off, particularly on the black holiday for crying out loud, take, take a vacation on the black holiday. I mean, Jesus Christ, why are we shooting at Juneteenth? Like seriously, but nonetheless, I come across this story and I want to pose this question to you all. Is Milwaukee, is the city of Milwaukee ran well? Is the city of Milwaukee ran well? Is it managed well? 
And I, I was torn before I wanted to go into this because at some point I hate try, I hate negative stuff all the time. Right. And we have a lot of it here, but some of it does is worth discussion. And so this article, the best and worst run cities in America. And by comparing the operating efficiency of 149 of the largest U.S. cities, experts at WalletHub, the personal finance firm, have come up with a score which ones are managed the best. And the U.S. has over 100,000 cities and towns, including 317 that have a population over 100,000. Everybody has a favorite, but which ones operate the most efficiently? And so the question on the table, you all, is does Milwaukee operate efficiently for you all? Is it working? Is it not working? Which one of these cities, and this was the question, operate the best? And so looking at 149 of these big and small cities, the researchers put together this list based off some metrics. And it looks like Lexington, Kentucky had the highest No, city of Nampa, Idaho, came out with the highest score. Lexington, Kentucky, Nashua, New Hampshire, and Boise. And at the bottom of the list were the bigger cities like New York City, Chattanooga, and San Francisco. Milwaukee finished at 94th out of 149. Is this city being ran efficiently for you all who live here? Is it being managed properly for you all who live here? Now, before you call in, and I want to make sure you all call in, hit the talk and text line at 833-212-1017, or you can stream and watch us live on YouTube and Twitter at 101.7 The Truth and 101.7 thetruthcom Is the city being ran efficiently for you? We'll have more in this conversation on our other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 101.7 The Truth. And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields in for Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. You all make sure you hit the truth, talk and text line at 833-212-1017. And the question on the table before we went to the break was, is the city being ran efficiently? Is the money being managed right? So there was a group of researchers and, and, and those of us in the economic development arena, we, we pay attention to these kinds of studies. Uh, it's Wallet Hub. And you'll see they do uh, rankings like diversity, equity, inclusion, which we'll get to. Um, How is the city being managed? And out of 149 cities, they wanted to know, well, how do these cities rank when it comes to, you know, money management, operations, efficiency, and they made up these metrics. And the factors that separate the good cities from the ones in trouble 
include professionalization of the municipal bureaucracy, meaning how professional are the people that's working in government? How professional are the people that's working in government? You all deal with folks here. So you let me know. You call and let me know. The rates of entrepreneurship, the population growth, and, of course, the crime rate. So I'm going to read those again, that some of the factors that answer, well, how well is the city's being, how are they being ran? Are they being ran well? And a couple of the things that they look at is the professionalization of the municipal bureaucracy, the professionalism of the people that work in government. That could be county, city, school. It could be your, and it should be your elected officials. And the things that they consider, rates of entrepreneurship, population growth, crime rate. And so one of the guys said that the level of conflict that exists on the city council is a good indicator. A city council that is in constant conflict and cannot reach broad agreement on important issues will not lend itself to a well-functioning municipal government. In essence, a city or a group of elected officials. Now, it's not just city, but anybody of government. When you have a group of elected officials that cannot consistently reach agreements on important issues, you will see it's not a well-run government body. So if the city of Milwaukee is ranked number 99 out of 149, is that good enough for you all? Is it not? I would love for you all to call in with your stories or weigh in on, do you think the city is ran well? Now, there is some, there is a theory, you all, called the glass cliff. And this was something that I was kind of concerned about when I saw, you know, County Executive David Crawley, when I saw um, uh, Mayor Cal- Cavalier Johnson. And I'm, and again, I'm not necessarily, I'm not knocking they're necessarily prior people who were in those administrations because I think you had two different people. I mean, County Executive Chris Abley was a lot more different than former Mayor Tom Barrett and how they ran things. The county won awards. Um, you can you can make the argument of whether that's a, a barometer you want to use, but the glass cliff theory says this: there are times where when things are not going well. Then you see the passing of the torch to people of color and women when things have gotten to a point where it's so jacked up. Now we'll pass it over and you can take it and you can manage and run with it. Can I be honest with you all? I, you know, you can make that argument for the city right now. You know, I'm not, I'm not personally knocking Tom Barrett, but um, did he pass the torch to mayor Cavalier? And was it bright or was was the fire dimming? Did he pass off a, you know, did he make that pass when things were stable or okay? Uh, You know, crime is where it's at. Um, You look at now what's happening with the whole shared revenue. You look at what's happening with housing and it's not all one person's fault. But the glass cliff theory says that when things get to a point where 
there's almost no return or is so jacked up that folks tend to pass the torch or put black folks or women into leadership positions. Is that true? Because we got our, you know, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't necessarily consider Chevy the first. I think Marvin Pratt had that. Um, but he didn't get handed, you know, um, he didn't get handed a, a, a bright, shiny apple. That's for sure. And so what is he doing with it? And can you hold him accountable for what's happening now? Do you all hold the common council, the mayor? Is it is it their fault that the city is number 99 or not, number 94? Is it their fault? I don't necessarily think it's all their fault. I think it, it, it takes everybody. Um, here's what I mean by that. You cannot just simply blame crime on just your government elected officials. At some point, the community has to step up too. And I've said this before on, on, on the show. I don't know if this community is ready to accept all of that. I think I could legitimately make an argument that this community is not at the point where you're tired of being sick and tired. Let me give you two stories of why I say that. So uh, you all know we grew up on a corner of Highland. If you don't know, many of you know us, know our family. We grew up there. Um, my niece, young man was running from the police officer, crashed into the garage, totaled it, totaled both cars in the garage, running from the police. Hundred thousand, seventy to a hundred thousand dollars worth of damage. They go to court. And the attorney for this young man is saying, well, he's a good kid. Um, his mother can control him. Now, at the time he was on parole or he had an ankle bracelet on. And so the judge is saying and so they're asking for him to be on parole and maybe not do, you know, serious or more time. But I want you to think about this. Hundred set my me our family has to come out of pocket seventy to hundred thousand dollars to fix the garage two cars. This young man may get a slap on the wrist, and again we're not you know you don't you don't ever want to be at a point where look you don't have empathy or sympathy, but at the same time you all seventy or hundred thousand dollars if I came up and stole seventy or hundred thousand dollars from you all, and then. Somebody was in court saying, well, Jay Fields is nice. Y'all be ready to kill me. But this this young, young, young man will slap on the wrist. Nothing happens. Lawyers in court saying, well, his mom can control him. That's 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 ironic because she didn't she wasn't controlling him when he totaled the garage and cost us seventy to hundred thousand dollars. I didn't see the control then. They not gonna pay for the damage. She didn't turn them in. <laughs> so if we then turned around and said, hey, we need to start throwing a book at people, then some folks in our community would be like, nah, maybe that's an overreaction. Is it? Or are you all content with quite honestly living in fear? which I know many of you and you all are. Some of y'all scared to drive and go outside now. 
I don't know if you all are ready to change stuff or what that would look like. Second story. Friend of mine texts us that the young man that was responsible or a party to the crime of murdering his son. He gets the call the day before the day after Father's Day. Lost his son on his birthday. And gets a call the day after Father's Day saying that the person who was in conjunction with the murder of his son will be getting let out in a month. My friend Caesar Stinson was hit by sheriff, killed, not the first time this happens with this particular sheriff. Sheriff on house arrest. I don't know if you all are ready or at the point where you're tired of being sick and tired or you're tired of living in fear. I don't know. You all tell me. Call in. Tell me something. Prove to me that maybe I'm wrong. Hit the truth and talk and text line at 833-212-1017. Is this city being ran well? And again, I don't want us to just single out elected officials because it's it's not just them. It's not only them. You got a boatload of community leaders from pastors to uh, nonprofit leaders to business community leaders. If you rank 94 out of 149, I mean, those are numbers. Those are statistics. But when I look at the things that happen in this city. I think one of the things that occurs is that we're all so busy blaming everybody else. Or pointing the finger at everybody else that we forget that it's going to take all of us. Is this city being managed well? That's the question on the table. We'll have more of this conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. You are listening to Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, in for Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. Never miss a show by streaming us on multiple platforms, The Truth app, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And before the break, the question on the table was, is this city being managed or ran well? And the reason why I want to... I wanted to pose that question to you all is because there have been a number of things that have been happening in the city and in the state that brings to light 
or that weighs in on maybe some answers to those types of questions. Meaning if the city isn't being ran well, then why is it? Why not? Um, You all have to deal with uh, like everybody else around the state, this whole state shared revenue, which one of the things in this bill, and I know Sherwin and all the family here at the truth, one one point seven event has been keeping you all up to date on all that stuff around some of the things that in order to get the money, the city would have to get rid of or do away with one being the, the diversity equity inclusion initiatives. And that's not just the city of Milwaukee. That's UW Madison. Uh, some of the schools in, you know, state state of Wisconsin, Republicans, legislatures, uh, are on this drive to get rid of diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives because there's this sentiment that it is not needed. Which is weird because not too long ago, Kyle and I were talking about this upstairs. You had a young white girl call somebody the N-word at the UW-Madison. And if that wasn't enough to make you wonder whether or not this is this their their assessment of whether it's needed or not is correct. Let's go to data, right? Let's 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 get out of your emotion because for me, I I like to I like to do stuff based on facts and research because anybody can just talk, anybody can you know give you their opinions and stuff. And so the thought is, well, diversity, equity, and inclusion is not needed. So earlier in the first opening part of the show, I, we asked that the city is being managed well. Again, based on some data, based on stats. Well, Wallet Hub, again, same organization, same research group, report ranks Wisconsin out of 50 states, number 49 for economic racial equality. Yes, boys and girls, you heard me right. Wisconsin is ranked number 49. It's only freaking 50 states, like literally. Number 49. In a recent study to determine which states have the most racial equality in terms of employment and wealth. Number 49. And so to hear, well, maybe this isn't needed. Based on what? How does that decision? How was that decision being made? Or how does that how how do you come to that conclusion that it's not being that it's not necessary? The data looked at the difference between white and black Americans in areas such as annual income, unemployment rate, and home ownership rate. Again, Wisconsin ranked 49th overall for economic racial equality. Came in 50th. For its median annual income gap, only ahead of the District of Columbia. So, Sandra, line one, what you got for me? Okay, Sandra, let's let's uh, let's try to go back to you. Some reason we may be having a little bit of technical difficulty, but Sandra, make sure you we'll get to you. But when we talk about why isn't this stuff? Why isn't the city being ran well? Let's look at what we've been going through here over the past two or three months. And so 
Sandra, I think you have you're on comment for the running of okay. the city. How we doing, Sandra? Is the city hey. being ran well? No, <laughs> I'm doing okay because I could I could scream about it, but uh, no. What what they doing I mean, to you, Sandra? City, I mean, look, I always call, and um, like I said, I'm 74. I grew up here. I went to elementary here. Went to middle school here. I went to high school here. I mean, this city was on. Um, you know, it was good because we had the jobs, and then all of a sudden here come this NAFTA. All the jobs start running out, and they're steady running out. Um, what else they started doing? The hospitals were gone. Um, uh, and in fact, Children's Hospital was downtown there, down on 17th in Wisconsin. We have all kind of hospitals. All of a sudden, everything disappeared, and now you got the ghetto. You know, in every central city, most likely where all black people are located, they're not doing well. But if you look at the area all run down and this and that, so somebody, they need to be caught because something happened here. And uh, it had to be our politicians. And we got we play a big part because we're not out there active as we should be. And uh, um, I'm just looking because I don't have a neighborhood. You know, at, at empty houses, boarded up houses, uh, um, burnt out houses. I mean, but we got stores and storefront. Uh, all of a sudden, you start seeing storefront churches, and we got the alcohol stores. We got the people running here selling the drugs. And don't tell me these people, the people that's in power, that hold the offices, don't know the drugs are here, the guns are here. You can hear them. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. And what happens is, when we talk about our situation, it seems like it's really, really, uh, it's being loved by a portion of the people that really want us to fail mm. and to use us as um, criminals and, and this and that. Well, if you got a city out, it's just like the rat theory. You give the rat everything you know he needs to exist. All of a sudden, you take it from him, and then they start fighting. Well, what do they think? Yeah. Sandra, I, I appreciate yeah, that comment. I really do. Because you, you, you know, most people I think maybe, and Sandra, you hit on, you know, economically signs of when you know your place or your city is starting to be on a decline. Nothing, nothing wrong with, you know, churches and not trying to offend anybody. However, when you start to see certain things pop up storefront churches and yes, some of those churches help a lot of folks. So let's, let's, you know, let's not act like they don't. However, when you start to see a plethora of them coupled with liquor stores, coupled with check cashing places, coupled with hospitals, leaving coupled with bad schools, coupled with, you know, no entrepreneurship, you can mm -hmm. you can you can see the decline. I remember growing up, we used to have all kind of black owned candy stores. And then one day, like overnight, it seemed like nobody black owned those stores anymore. This here. We sure used to is. have five gas stations. Yeah, we used to have five yep. black gas station owners. Now we may have one or two. Yep. And so, Sandra, I hear you. Thanks for giving us a call and commenting on that. OK, then. Sandra, Sandra, Sandra laid it out. And I think what happens is that one of the issues that we have is that that continues to plague us. Right. Is that we tend to lack, again, a plan 
by everybody, which was weird because I'll tell you something. I think I can share this. So Sherwin and I, you all know Sherwin and I, you know, go way back real cool. Politically, always talking, strategizing all, all the time. Howard Fuller had shared something with Sherwin and I. And back in the day, the, our elders in this community, they all had got together and had like a conference or a convening and came up with a strategy and a plan. And I remember seeing some of the names on this thing. And maybe Sherwin will talk about it one day. But it was it was all of the, the black folks it was the Ralph Holmans, the Tyrone Dumases, the Howard Fullers, the Polly Williams. All those folks got together and there was literally, uh, I think it was over like maybe a day. It was Ruben Harpo. Sherwin and I were freaking out because we literally were looking at a document, a manuscript, where all the black folks in this city had got together had like a convening and talked about what we're going to do. I think Michael Holt was on there. Uh, all the people who apparently we just decided to stop listening to for I don't know why, but all the folks who you knew cared about this city came and, and it was a document. It was a literal document that addressed. I think it talked about education, jobs. Econ it was there. And then slowly but surely, you know, I'm I'll be 50 next year. Haven't seen anything like that since. And Sandra pointed out that when you start to see those things occur, then you can start to see the sort of decline. And where's the innovation coming up? Where are the black entrepreneurs? And and I'm going to say something, and, and I'm not trying to be offensive because I, I think we need all types of black business folk in every industry, in every environment. That being said, when you have more or only a plethora of retail shops or bars or restaurants, those are cool, but those things, the, that's just one component of an ecosystem that you need to comp that you need to make sure that a community is being sustainable. You know, that's that's the issue. We need to make sure that there's an ecosystem. And for whatever reason, I don't see necessarily people working on an ecosystem. I've been very critical of, of my community here. We quick to throw a party faster than we do about trying to get people, you know, decent jobs that will last long. Um, I said this before and I'm gonna keep saying it. I don't understand why you all haven't said to your mayor, your county executive, your sheriff, your police chief, your state superintendent. I don't understand why you all haven't said, hey, we're we going to need you all to get in the room, hash it out and come up with something. I literally do not understand how that has not happened. This is one of the rare times in history where you got black people at heads of every major freaking organization and y'all ain't talking to each other. I do not understand that for the life of me. It makes absolutely no sense because you need everybody at the table to weigh in and fix this stuff so that you don't have shootings at Juneteenth so that you do have strategies put in place that are reactionary to what you are all being forced to do now. Second part of the discussion was the state of Wisconsin ranks 49th in racial equity and diversity and inclusion, 49th. 
If we rank 50th when it comes to median income. So in essence, we're dead last when it comes to putting money in black folks' pockets. Question, boys and girls, how do you think this is going to go? Where do you think this is going? Where do you think this is headed? Where are we headed if we're not putting money in black folks' pockets? We'll have more of this conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. More of Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is Truth in the Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. Truth Nation, there's a fantastic event coming up that you won't want to miss. The award-winning 101.7 The Truth is proud to announce our inaugural Truth Family Fest on Saturday, August 12th at Riverside University High School in Milwaukee. We are bringing the community together for a family festival that will have something for everyone. There will be live music, spoken word, delicious food, healthcare resources, and free giveaways. So mark your calendars for this exciting event and come out to enjoy the music, food, and fun at our inaugural Truth Family Fest is on Saturday, August 12th at Riverside University High School. Thank you, everybody. We've been talking about just just wrapping up because I want you all to see how all these things are starting to be connected. When you have a state that says that's ranked number, that's ranked dead last. You guys don't need diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not necessary. How that plays a part in how we're supposed to move forward. And I guess to summarize it or to bring it all together, if black folks, if we don't get together and start figuring this stuff out, Somebody else will figure it out for you. So we're going to see you all on the other side. We'll have more of the conversation on the other side. This is the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth.